Good morning and may your faith. Please open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. As we continue with our revision series, today we will have the opportunity to revision our mission. But before we start, I would like to take a few minutes to share a little bit of my personal story and journey as the Spanish language pastor here at Emmanuel Faith and within our community context. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Esteban Tapia. I was born and raised in Tijuana, Mexico. So you can say that I grew up pretty much with no exposure to diversity. For everyone down there is Mexican. Uh, I do remember, however, when I was seven years old, a group of about 20 uh, teenagers, Americans, showed up at our neighborhood, inviting every kid to a little church down the corner for La Escuelita de Verano, the Bible vacation school. I remember those teenagers practicing their Spanish while yelling on the streets, dulces, juegos y sandwiches, candy, games, and sandwiches. And... I'm telling you, that became a big event in their neighborhood. Everyone from the block was there. La Escuelita de Verano, the BBS, was a success, was amazing. As they promised us, we had candy, games, sandwiches, and Kool-Aid for three days in a row. We had a great time that summer. Now, the beauty of it is that during those three days of BBS, those American teenagers planted the seed of God's word into our hearts. And four years later, my family and I accepted the Lord in that same little church. Later on, I met my wife, Jemima. And after 10 years of marriage, in 2007, we moved to Chula Vista on this side of the border. We lived there for about eight years. And then we came to Escondido, with the task of starting a new Sunday service for Spanish speakers here at EFCC. I want to be completely honest with you. The transition hasn't been easy. But after five years of doing ministry in this community, after five years of getting to know the city of Escondido and his people, it finally feels like home. This is home. We are not planning to go anywhere. Now, I get to see Americanos every day. And let me tell you, they are different than Mexicans in many ways. But that's exactly what I love about this place, the diversity of our community. I have learned to love the whites and the Latinos, the immigrants and the natives, the rich and the poor. The young and the old, the English speakers and the Spanish speakers, and the believers and non-believers in our community. But what I love the most is to see what God is doing through you. A few years ago, you decided that by 2020, EFCC will be a church that risks using all means to invite people of all ages, ethnicities, and backgrounds into a life-transforming relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind that this is your vision, not mine. The fact is that I'm here as a result of your vision. And for that, I'm very grateful. Minion Faith, thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for opening the doors of your heart to people like me. I know it's not easy. Now you have to deal with me and with my beautiful accent, but hopefully that's okay. Emmanuel Faith, in all seriousness, I love you. I really do. Now, I don't want to presume that I love you as much as the Apostle Paul loved the Ephesians for. I'm not sure if I will go to prison for your sake, as Paul did. For the sake of the Ephesians, he ended up in prison. He loved them so much that he was willing to lose his freedom on their behalf. And it's from there, from prison, that he wrote them the letter that we are studying today. And it, it, he shared with them his motivation for making such a huge sacrifice. He shared them his motivation for going through pain and difficulty. He told them for this reason. And now we have to pause a little bit. We have to pay attention to what he mentioned earlier. Because this is all linked to what he said before. He's elaborating. He wants to make a strong emphasis on what he is teaching. He's pretty much inviting his audience to consider carefully what he's about to say. Now notice that the Apostle Paul wants to make this emphasis because he believes that it's impossible to live out what we don't understand. It's just impossible. As we saw last week, Paul ended chapter 2 of his letter addressing the topic of reconciliation, a tough topic and a very controversial one for the first century church. For as we already know, the first century believers were getting divided as a result of a distinction that existed between them. A distinction that, by the way, was not racial in nature, but covenantal. A very superficial but real distinction. The Jewish believers wanted the non-circumcised Gentile believers to circumcise. But in those days, the Apostle Paul was teaching the contrary. He was teaching that Gentile believers in Christ didn't have to get circumcised to become members of the family of God. He was teaching to the Gentile churches that they didn't have to adopt the Jewish traditions. For in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles have been reconciled to one another. Now, for communicating this message, the Apostle Paul eventually was thrown thrown into jail. Again, uh, verse 1 of Ephesians 3, For this reason, I, Paul, the, uh, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, notice that even though Paul was in prison, he was not saying that he was a prisoner of Rome or of Caesar. He was saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. And yes, I love the Gentiles. But the question is, why? Why, Paul? Why will Paul love the Gentiles that much? 
Well, he loved them because God called him specifically to minister to them. In fact, in several locations, he referred, he referred to himself as the apostle to the Gentiles. That's why in verse 2, he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. What Paul is saying here is that as an apostle to the Gentiles, God revealed to him a mystery. There was something new going on that Paul knew about. A mystery that finally was being revealed. Paul was saying, there's a new administration. There's a new way to see people. There's a new way to deal with each other. Before Christ, no one really knew about it. But now God has revealed it to the New Testament apostles and prophets of which Paul said, I'm the least. Verses 4 through 6. And reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as It has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I think this is amazing. Paul made it very clear here. The mystery was that Jews and Gentiles are now together, together, and together. Juntos! That's the word of the day. Together! You see, the mystery was not that God was going to bless the nations of the world through a Jewish Messiah. For most Jews knew about that. The mystery was that God was bringing Jews and Gentiles together through Jesus Christ. That was the mystery. The mystery revealed about 2,000 years ago is that God wants to bring us together. And as you can imagine, this was a very revolutionary idea in the first century. For as you know, before the resurrection of Jesus, the Gentiles in general were excluded from the people of God. But after the day of Pentecost, everyone was invited to become part of the family. In the words of Paul, there is no longer a dividing wall of hostility. No mas. No more divisions between people. For God brought us together and made us one. And now in Christ, we have become a big and beautiful, diverse family. Now, this is extremely relevant to us as well. Because we live in a society that doesn't seem to appreciate and embrace the concept of together. At the beginning of my message, I mentioned that I that what I love about this city is its people. The truth is that I'm fascinated by uh, the bicultural, bilingual demographics of our community. 
a city that is mostly populated by Latinos and whites. Now the fact is that we live kind of segregated from each other. And let me be clear. I'm not saying that there's tension between whites and Latinos here in Escondido. What I'm saying is that we don't get to be around each other much. For we don't live in the same neighborhoods. Our kids don't go to the same schools. We don't buy groceries at the same stores. Nor do we worship together in the same church buildings. Now, even though I already mentioned how much I love my city and how much I love my church, I understand that more than a social reality, our segregation represents a spiritual one. For most of the time, physical barriers between people easily become spiritual barriers as well. The fact is that as a church of Christ here in the United States, we have created barriers in terms of race, in terms of preferences and languages between us. We all have created barriers and divisions that separate us from those that are different than us. Now with that said, let's address the barrier of race between us for just a second. That's it. There, there's nothing else to talk about. For the concept of race is not even biblical. What we find in the scriptures is that we all belong to the race of Adam. You see, racial distinctions are not biblical. The Bible talks about families, about tribes, about people, groups, or ethnicities, and nations. But there's nothing about races. Yet for some reason, we have allowed ourselves to be influenced by the idea that we are different just by the color of our skin. Now, what about preferences? Are those real? I think they are. And we have so many. We have cultural, traditional, liturgical, theological, historical, political, and socioeconomical preferences. No wonder we have hundreds and hundreds of Christian denominations. Now for the sake of time, I'll just talk a little bit about the different cultural preferences that exist between Latinos and white believers in our context. Latino believers are very relational and emotional. We love fellowship. And let me tell you a secret. Good fellowship always goes together with good food. Now, during our services, we enjoy loud music and fast tempo songs. And we love to sing and to clap and to move while we are worshiping God. It's like, like if we are always in celebration mode. Also, we will like to say hi to each other like multiple times during our service. And I think that, uh, well, if you think that I have been a little passionate during my delivery here of my sermon, believe me, I'm trying here to be very, very calm. <laughs> I guess culturally, we are, we have very, Diverse preferences. 
But I really think that we should try to come together as a family of Christ. It will certainly require some kind of assimilation from both parties. But we need to start somewhere. Maybe we, we need to start getting together every now and then for worship, for service in our community, and for fellowship. There's always good food. You know, there's something that I have noticed in, in my experience with, with the church. And it's that no one really cares about cultural preferences in the missionary field. No one really cares. But for some reason, we have allowed our cultural preferences to become barriers between us here at home. Now, what about language barriers? Are those real? Absolutely. Those are real. Not speaking the same language might challenge us to have fellowship and to worship together with other believers. But I'm sure that if we make an effort to do it together, every now and then, we might enjoy each other. And for church, please church, consider this. For church, for sure, our gods, our God will be glorified. You know, the Apostle Paul was an expert in the matter of reconciliation. He knew what he was talking about. He was a Jew circumcised on the eighth day, and yet he loved the Gentiles. He told the Ephesians in verses 7 through 9, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all, Lord's, of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Here Paul was telling the Ephesians, you know what? God humbled me. He humbled me by giving me a calling. He called me to preach you the gospel. And now I see people differently. Now I see the Ephesians. Now I see the Colossians. Now I see all the Gentiles different. I see them just as people. I see them as people who need to know Jesus. And the beauty of it is that now I get to proclaim the gospel to them. And I see those who receive this beautiful message, who receive Jesus as my family in Christ. And that's what I love to do every chance I have for this is my mission. That was Paul's mission. And he was not shy about it. That's what he loved. Every time, every opportunity he had, he was sharing the gospel. Now certainly, Paul knew that his mission was going to cost him some suffering, some pain. He's in jail. He's alone. He's cold. Lots of times feeling that no one really cares. But he considered it a blessing. 
he was okay with it. In Colossians 1.24, he says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for, for you. I consider it joy to suffer for your sake. It's okay to suffer for the sake of others. You see, Paul was not in prison only for sharing the gospel with others. He was in prison for also making public every chance, every opportunity he had that every One is welcome into the family of God. That was his mission. Sharing the gospel and making public that everyone is welcome. And you know what? That's our mission as well as the church of Christ. In verse 10, Paul says, God's intent was that now through the church, that's us together, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God shall be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, this calling was not exclusive of Paul as the church of Christ. It is also our God-given mission not only to share the gospel with others, but to come together with other believers in order to reflect God's glory to all His creation. For everyone is watching. The world is watching. Our country is watching. The angels are watching. Even Satan and his demons are witnessing that Gentiles and Jews have become one. Everyone is watching that in Christ, we as the people of God have equal access to God's presence. Verse 12. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Who? We. Who is the we? Jews? Gentiles. Asians, African Americans, Latinos, whites, Arabs, we, we have equal access to the presence of God. And we can approach him with freedom and confidence through Jesus. Then Paul says in verse 13, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So yes, I'm suffering, Paul says. But you know what? The mission is worth it. The mission is worth it. It's okay to suffer for the sake of others. So don't get discouraged. For I'm okay doing what God has called me to do. Then Paul decided to finish this chapter with a word of prayer on behalf of the Ephesians and for us as well. He is praying in the same way that he prayed in chapter 1. He's praying for spiritual enlightenment. For he knew that these truths are too much for our human mind to grasp. He's praying for what some of us might consider impossible. He's praying that the church of Christ throughout the generations will get to experience what I called the miracle of unity. He's praying that the Holy Spirit will apply the revelation of this mystery into our hearts. 
He's praying that we could get to experience God's love and that we will learn to love each other. He's praying for the unimaginable to happen. He's praying that God will open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see who we are in Christ. First chapter, in Christ. You are holy. You are faithful. You are blessed. You have been redeemed. You, you are chosen. You belong to God. Chapter 2. Before that, you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. Here, we were thinking only about ourselves. We didn't think. We didn't. We're, you know, aware of the reality around us. We, we worship it. We worship ourselves. It was all about ourselves. But now, we are in Christ. We belong to Christ. And we are not alone anymore. We are here positionally with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's who we are. That's what Paul is praying for. And this is what I think we need to pray for as well as a local, as a local church and a segregated community. We need to pray that God will open the eyes of our heart so that every single one of us will embrace the idea that everyone in our community is equally valuable before God so that together we will become available to fulfill our mission of reflecting the glory of God together to this beautiful city. You know, there are thousands and thousands of little Estevans out there. Thousands of thousands of Latino children and teenagers in our city that are living without Jesus. Some of them growing up in very dysfunctional families, failing at school with no dreams, dreams about the future and far from God. Just as I was before coming to Christ. And what I see here is potential. We have many more than 20 Americans in this room. Potential to make a great impact in our community in the name of Jesus. For now we can go together everywhere in Escondido proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in English and yes, in Spanish as well. Now we can say together to everyone that visits, that visits our campus, welcome, bienvenido, for everyone is welcome here at Emmanuel Faith. Church, before I finish, I would like to pray for us. Will you join me? Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for everything you have done in our lives. Thank you for giving us a mission that it's so big for us to fulfill on our own. For it is in this way that we must depend on you. Thank you for giving us a heart for Escondido. Now, will you please do the impossible on our behalf? Will you please unite us more as your church? Will you please teach us how to love, how to care, and how to be there for each other? All of this I pray in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.